Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, all right. Now we have a lot of special guests here. And they come from all over. Real quick, where do you guys come from? Brazil. Ohio. Brazil. Brazil. Ohio. New Jersey. Jersey. Long Island. Long Island. Jersey. 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 South Jersey. South Jersey. 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 All right. So a lot of from Jersey and Brazil. Amen. 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 So we just want to welcome. Let me bring up. Please welcome. We know him as Pastor Tim from the Bronx, but now he's Pastor Tim from Master's Commission in South Jersey. Someday I want to look as cool as Pastor George. I mean, look at that. It's Rico Suave. Looking good. Hallelujah. I don't know. I think my time has passed. It is good to be in the Bronx again. I've been gone since September uh, 06, I think it was. And um, I pastored in Pelham Bay Assembly of God just on the other side there for about seven years. And... Uh, was born and raised in South Jersey. God brought us to the Bronx to pastor. Never pastored a church before. Never was in the Bronx before. And God did all that. And he, uh, about a year and a half ago, took me to New Jersey, back down to South Jersey to another church where I'm on staff there. But I do something that's just quite unique. I love what God has called me to do, and that is to train up young adults, college-age students, for nine months. Literally, they come and they, they live with us. Uh, i got to feed them house them, they get uh, Bible school training, they get hands-on ministry training, and we travel. Today is a very, very special day for this Master's Commission team. This is the very last travel ministry before graduation next week for our Master's Commission. Since October, we've traveled to over 100 ministry places, whether churches, youth groups, young adults, or conferences, or schools, and we've ministered to over 43,000 people just in nine months. Uh, I, I was looking forward to a summer vacation, but after these people graduate, there's three of them here that are not going anywhere because they're interns. I have 10 interns that started with me uh, June 1st, and they will travel with me the rest of uh, July and August because God just booked up my summer with uh, travel ministry. And, and, and everything that we do is, is for this one reason, to know God, say to know God, and to make God know. I didn't even tell you to repeat that. You did it. Amen. That's what we do with our young adults. You know, statistically, I'm the young adult pastor in my church. Statistically, our young adults will graduate great churches like this, go away to college or Christian college, and guess what? Over 60-something percent of them will walk away from God. They will deny their relationship. They will, they will get distracted. They'll get destroyed. And so I want to I help change that. I want young adults that will come and give God nine months of their life. They pay for the privilege of being beat down and built up for Jesus. You see, you say, what are you talking about, beat down? Because you see, it's like being in the army. Anyone ever served before in the military? Yes. 
Jesus tells me about this all the time. You see, when you go to boot camp, they got to take everything that you think you know and take it away from you. Because really, you don't know anything. And then we've got to build back into them what the Word of God says about who God really is. Do you know most of us, well, not in this church, because I, I just I think differently here, but in a lot of Christian churches, they limit themselves, they limit God. They worship a small God. They worship a God that can't. They worship a God that won't. And so we've got to help our young adults realize, you know what? I can do all things through Christ. That I am more than a conqueror. Are you hearing me? So we want to take them for nine months. And some of these guys came back for a second year at it. And uh, we want to train them up so that when they go out to college or career or to marriage, that they are living for God full time. Whether they're in full time ministry or not, they need to serve God all the time. Say all the time. You see, there's no taking no vacation from serving God. You know that, right? You see, now, I'm not no legalistic person at all. I never was brought up in legalism. But I, but I, but I know this. Even when I like going on vacation, I like going to church. You see, because, because I'm a pastor, you're supposed to be all proper and whatnot. But when we're on vacation, I'll sneak into a church. I, I'm dressing like Joe Rivera. I mean, you don't know I'm a pastor. I got shorts on, flip-flops. And I walk in there. Let me try to... What is it? Chanclatas? I put chocolate on my feet and I walk around the church, right? Forgive me for being white. But anyway, so, so what happens is I get to sneak in there and I get to be real for God. You see, because when you're in your church, you're supposed to be all proper, right? No! That's what I love about this church. I checked out your website. I know Pastor George for, for what, seven years I was in the Bronx. And uh, you know what? Helping our young adults realize you can live for God for real Without trying to be carnal or worldly, you can live for God for real and make a difference wherever you go. Amen? So that's what we've done with these guys, or we hope we've done. And so when they graduate, we'll hear about them. Last year we got a, a couple graduated. They're full-time pa youth pastors in Long Island. This year we got a guy who's married, who's graduating. You know his brother, G. And what's your brother's name? He, Ephraim. And uh, he looks like, looks like God's bringing him back to the Bronx. When I was a pastor in Pelham, I used to say this, Thus saith the Lord, stop moving from the Bronx. Because people thought they could go out someplace else. Well, he got away from the city years ago, right? And it looks like God bringing him right back. So let's pray for him and his wife and kids as they look for what God would do for them here in the Bronx. But right now I want you to do something. I want you to sit back. I want you to listen to this skit. Come on up here. To know him. Get to know him. Right here. We'll do a skit, we'll do two human videos, you'll get two testimonies. And all of this is so you understand this, that we want to know God, really want to know God. And with our life, however messed up it may be, however you know, not qualified we may be, we want to help make God known. Amen? You're going to hear from one of our students getting ready to graduate, going back to Long Island. Hello, my name's Liz. Obviously, he said I'm from Long Island. Um, this year has been a very interesting year. Um, I left my home, obviously, and my ministry, and my family, and all my friends, and came here not really knowing what to expect. And I get there the first day, and there's this, we had a covenant service, and there was a, a preacher, and he was like prophetic, and he gives me this whole word about I'm going to have this most horrible nine months of my life, and that I'm going to never make it, and all this stuff, if I give up or whatever. 
And I was freaking out, and it was really a really rough road and a really hard time for me to just get through this year, but God definitely told me this year that no matter what I'm going through or no matter what situations I'm in, he's always going to be there to bring me through them. And I just want to encourage you guys that no matter where you guys are at, no matter what God brings you through, he's always bringing you through it for a reason, and there's a reason behind everything, and I just encourage you to just stand firm because he's going to bring you through it. We often tell our students that this will be the best and worst nine months of your life. You see, because a lot of times we, we get all these, you know, pretty pictures of what it is to be a Christian and how great it is to be a Christian. And then, and then the hard stuff comes. And then the rough stuff comes. But you don't know about that, right? People here, you know, you know everything's been peaches and cream, right? Been strawberries and ice cream, right? You see, we're going to do a human video in a moment. It's called Through the Fire. And uh, quite literally, the, the point of the whole thing is, and, and, and sort of what this nine months does for our students, is that we've got to learn to persevere. We've got to learn to stick with it. You know, I, I was not brought up in church. I was saved 1982, uh, April 12th. It was an Easter Sunday. And I, and I can remember that when I got saved, it was a for real deal. I didn't know him before. And now I know him. And, and he's so real. And he's so awesome. And I was just so happy to tell people about him. And then I found out that all my church people, all my church kids, they were all like, you got to be quiet. you got to settle down. Don't be so crazy. You see, but I, I was lost. But now I was found. I used to be blind, but now I see and, and I thought I knew what I was supposed to be. I, I burned stuff, I robbed stuff, I beat up people, you know, and I thought I had to make my way. And, and so when I got saved, man, why wouldn't I tell people? Why wouldn't I be excited? And so I had to learn to persevere through religion and religiosity. I had to learn to persevere through Bible school. Woo! I had to learn to persevere through being a senior pastor. I'd never want to be one again. Uh, I've I got to be honest with you. Whatever God wants, I'll do. That's the only reason why I did it in the first place. That's the only way I left the Bronx. Can you believe that? My family, my family was in depression when we left the Bronx. They, we love the Bronx. And we, I mean, even now I still hear about how, you know, they, they would love to be able to come back. But whatever God wants, we do. We've got to learn to persevere. You've got to learn to stick through it. Because fire is going to come. Floods are going to come. The economy is going to crash. Gas is going to cost money. You know, I feel kind of bad for y'all living up here, you know, because gas is cheaper where I live. You know, and it's amazing to me how we're, how a lot of times in our Christianity, we get this whole idea that I'll love God as long as everything's going good. So with this human video, it's not to see if he's ready. If this human video, it, we want to communicate that, and, and it's also part of the message today, Psalm 84. I'm going to be preaching out of Psalm 84. And it's called Vital Signs of Victorious Christians. And, and you see, and, and the deal is, is we've got to learn to persevere. You know, there's something on, uh, on uh, YouTube that my wife um, was sent and then let me look at it. And it's called uh, Love Without Limbs. And it's about this guy from Australia who was born with no arms and no legs. And he's just this body, uh, this, this torso and, and his head and his little tiny little, what he calls his little chicken wing. And uh, he travels the world. Get this now. No arms, no legs. Travels the world encouraging people with the love of God. 
with a joy that it just it's 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 not natural. It's not it's not humanly possible in our in some of our frameworks. And and he's going around encouraging people to live strong and 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 to be happy and to to love. And I'm I'm like man, how hum how, how humbling. Because I'm complaining about you know the little things. It's fun. I I came and never been here before. Pastor told me what it was, and I, I just love what you've done to the place. I, I, I don't want to sound like a home interior decorator, but I just love what you've done to the place. But, but, but the thing is, is right, and, he, and, he, and we're going, you know, as pastors, well, God's been blessing our ministry. We're in our second year, graduating our second group. We've already doubled our student attendance for the next term, which begins at the end of September. Uh, God's given us a bus. You saw that parked out there, right? People say, oh, that's what old people drive in. Well, I, I'm old, I guess. But God gave us that bus. Literally, someone wrote a check and gave us that bus. And then seven months before I, in my human understanding, thought, seven months before I thought I needed a house, God's given us a house to house our students in. Um, I do have to pay the bill, but He gave us a house. And I was complaining to the pastor, Oh, I've got to pay $1,300 a month. And then He told me yours. I was like, I'm glad I'm only paying $1,300. You know, it's all that perspective, right? So when, when I hear this human video and I see, watch this human video, this girl had every reason. I mean, the world's not going to let go of you. Some of you got saved. You're like, I thought I was supposed to live happily ever after. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, stuff starts happening and people start coming at you. I mean, they did not want her to get to the Lord. And God never promised you that, that there would... In fact, what I love most about Jesus is He never lied to us. You see, He never puts up a front. He says, in this world, you will have. Some of them you gave birth to. You see, but you will have trials and tribulations. And I, and I love that about it because if I, if, if I had you know, gotten saved by that, that feel-good salvation that everything will be happy and, and everything is beautiful, buy my album, it's in the back there on the table. I would have left a long time ago. Since I've been a Christian, I had a knife pointed at me, a gun pointed at me, cussed at, spit at by church people. <laughs> Threatened to be sued. I mean, and this is what I've said for years and years. Humans didn't give me Jesus, and humans can't take Jesus away from me. So we've got to learn to persevere. All right, where's, where's Amanda? All right, Tammy, you come up here. You're going to hear from Tammy now. Hi, guys. I'm Tammy. I'm from South Jersey, obviously. Um, Lately, God has been telling me to just put down my guard because I have it up all the time and just to let loose and just praise Him the way He deserves to be praised. And it's not about people. It's not about people around you looking at you and thinking all these different things about you or what you're saying or what you're, how you're praising God. And so I encourage you guys to just take off the lid, like PT says, and just praise God how He deserves to be praised because it's not about Him and we only have one chance to live. In the back there, you'll find some postcards that has uh, our info on it. It tells you about what we are and what we do. And then there's some shirts and some bags back there. 
Uh, we travel, we're completely by faith. Uh, we just li we live off of love offerings. Students are supposed to pay a bill to be a part of us. Uh, a bunch of them are fasting and praying. I believe in God by Friday that their bill will be paid so they can graduate. But we're a by faith ministry and, and pretty much just what's on that table helps keep us on the road. And never before seen in stores, nor can you buy it from TV, Master's Commission Tri-Lighters. Not one color, not two colors, but three colors. This could be what Jesus says to you. This could be what the Holy Spirit says to you. This could be what the pastor says to you. You can write in your Bibles. But that's back there for a dollar. I just felt like being stupid. I want to give your pastor one. Amen. They're back there. Could you give me that pulpit, please? Everyone, would you please open your Bibles to Psalm 84? Or your Palm Pilots? Or your laptops? I told Diana Rivera, I'm going to walk around so I can make sure she's not playing solitaire while I'm preaching. Hallelujah. This message has been very, very, very powerful to me in my, in my life because... Quite literally, I, I think sometimes as, as Christians, we get into a routine, we get into a rut, and we do things just because we do things, and that's just the way, way it's been. And uh, oftentimes I like to check myself, and I like to make sure it's real and it's vital. And uh, we're talking about vital signs of, of victorious Christians. Everyone knows what vital signs are. If you don't have vital signs, you are. If you were to pass out, someone's got to come and check your vital signs. And you know how to do that, right? Check their pulse like this, listen to their heart, right? Well, as Christians, as on fire Christians, what are the vital signs for us? Well, how do we know, you know, if, if, if our heart, as it were, is beating, you know, as a victorious Christian? How do we, how do we take our pulse to make sure? And, and I think David laid out four great vital signs in Psalm 84, that really, really, uh, I think just locks it up for me. Uh, and uh, I need to check myself on this gauge, if you will, uh, every once in a while to make sure that, that I'm okay. You see, because what happens is, how many are praying for revival? I tell you, I've been traveling for some time now. Our church in New Jersey is on, we believe, on the precipice of, of, uh, of revival. They just had a busload, a whole coach bus load of people from our church just got back from Lakeland. And um, they're just, they, they promised that this morning they're going to just tear it up. They said they're going to keep it long enough so that way we can get home and get, get in on some of that. Actually, it's been bubbling for some time. And to this day begins a four-day evangelistic uh, campaign in our church with a, with a speaker. And uh, who knows? I mean, this, this, could, this could be the explosion for us. But when I talk about revival, I'm in prayer meetings for revival. This past year, we're in some church, and we were praying just desperately for revival. And I heard as clear as I'm speaking to you now, God say to me, quit praying for it. Be it. He said, be revival. And I was like, but you know, don't, don't you have to have like banners? Don't you need a band? This is supposed to be a guest speaker. You know, we're supposed to be, you know, in a hot tent somewhere with no air conditioning. You know, isn't that what revival is? And God said, be revival. You bring it. You step into the void. If you've been praying for it, if you've been waiting for it, if you've been expecting it, if you've been wanting the fullness of God, step out. It's there, right there for you. And I, and I just like, God, 
Really. And, and, here, and here's the, the illustration that really summed it up for me. It's about the uh, boy, a 12-year-old boy back in the 1800s. You see, he came home from school one day very, very excited. Daddy, Daddy, the, the circus is in town. The, the circus is in town. I want to go to the circus. His dad struck a deal with him. If you do all your chores and your homework by the end of the week, I'll let you go to the circus. The end of the week comes. He did everything he was supposed to. And his dad reaches into his pocket and pulls out the most money this little 12-year-old boy in the 1800s ever saw in his life, let alone hold in his own hand a dollar bill. Remember when dollars used to worth, be worth something? And he put that dollar in his hand. And off to the circus he goes. He's so excited. He's skipping his feet or barely touching the ground when he comes to the outskirts of the city. And he sees all these people. They're, they're all piling in on the street corner, on the curb, and they're, and they're looking at something down the road. And so this boy nuzzles up in there and gets to the front. And lo and behold, he sees, oh, what a sight but a circus parade coming down Main Street. Well, there were the caged animals, the lions and the tigers and the... Oh, my. I mean, snarling as they're going by. And then there were the acrobats flipping and flopping and the, and the banners and the flags are the colors and the marching band with their polyester suits. Oh, man, just the, the trumpets and the drums. It was grand. But behind all of that was the traditional circus clown. There he is with his big old floppy shoes, his baggy pants, his, his bushy hair, his, his red nose. Well, the clown gets up to this 12-year-old boy, and the boy's just beaming from ear to ear, and he takes the dollar, and he steps out, and he, and he gives the dollar to the clown, and the clown takes it, and he's kind of a, a confused and dazed, and, and the little 12-year-old boy, he's so excited, he turns around and skips himself all the way back home. And this is what, what, what it means is that to me. That it means that many, many Christians, maybe not in this church, maybe not in the sanctuary fellowship, but so many Christians in our, in our country, in Pentecostal churches, you see, we, we, we get happy with the parade that we never make it into the house. We're excited with the pomp and circumstance. We're excited with the flags and banners and colors. We're excited about the band and the music. We're excited about so much. And we dare reach in and put our dollar in the offering. And we go home thinking we've been in the house. Thinking we've been in the glory. There was so much more. If you've ever been to a circus, you know, there's so much more to a circus. The boy will never know. Having never seen it before, all he knows is a parade. And so as we check our vital signs this morning, I really hope that you realize that, that um, it's important for us to, that we don't settle for a parade. You see, to be vital, I, I love words, and to be vital is being the seat or source of life, having remarkable energy, liveliness, of critical importance, uh, vital, full of spirit, dynamic. We get the word revitalize and revive from it, to give new life and new vigor, bringing again into activity and prominence. You see, when we're talking about revival, there used to be a time where the church was respected in the community. In fact, the church was expected to step up and fill a void. Do you know before there was public school education, who provided the education to children? The church. Before there was welfare assistance, who provided the care for the needy? The church. Before there was elder care, senior citizen buildings where we put them in and abandon them, who provided the needs for the elderly? The church. 
Nowadays, most people, you know, especially politicians, they, they see the church as no more than a money-grubbing, gimme, 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 without any return. We're not vital anymore. In fact, I challenge pastors a lot. I say, if your church was to close up and pack up shop and leave and never return, would the community mourn your loss or celebrate your leave? Because if they celebrate your leave, you've not done anything. You see, you say, but we're supposed to be peculiar. I understand that. Some of us have degrees in peculiarity. But we're not supposed to be so strange that we can't have an influence or an impact on our very culture, especially in New York City with so many needs. You know, I believe that when I was here, the city was saying, we don't know what to do with our teenagers. We don't know what to, what to do with the violence. That's an opportunity, an open door for the church to step in and say, okay, well maybe we, let me try this. Right now in Cumberland County, where our church is, we lead in the entire state of New Jersey uh, the highest numbers of do domestic violence and right now adolescent uh, 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 criminal behavior. And the churches, as well as community organizations, are getting together. Our pastors are part of this committee. And they're starting to say, what can we do? And the church is allowed to come to the table. And I believe if we're going to have revival, it's not just going to be something that tickles us in church. It's going to impact us out there. That's what revival is. I'm hearing about our people coming back from violent and they're, and they're doing the, you know, the, the jerking and the falling. That's all great and exciting. I fell down. I went to Brownsville for an entire week once back in the revival. And I, I, let's, let, let's just be honest. I know you're thinking this. You know, I'm a big boy. Okay, I'm no small child. And when I go down, you know, back in the old days when, we got, when I got saved, no one actually looked behind you to see if the guy's big enough to catch you. Because when you went down, you went down. If it wasn't God, you, you deserved the headache, you see. But and, and in fact, when I pray for people and they go down too fast, I tell them, pick them up. They didn't get what they need yet. Get them up. You go too fast. But when I went down to Brownsville, I needed God to do something. Before I came to the city, the pastor, I needed God to tell me something. And, and I tell you, I took this this uh, board member with me. He's a very skeptical guy. And um, most of what I'm about to tell you, he's the one who told me because I, I don't know. I, it happened to me. I needed God. He met every one of my things on my list except for one thing. I needed something supernatural. John Kilpatrick all week long was praying for people but never, never talking to them. Just praying, praying. I mean, it was like madhouse. It was wild. And this one night, I got into the back door. We always got in early and we had good seats. And one night, I watched John just walking across. And all of a sudden, he caught my eye. You know how when you, you don't want someone to see you but you're looking at them. And when they look at you, what do you do? Real quick. Well, man, we caught eyes, and he immediately turned around and started walking back towards my seat. Now, Brownsville was thronging with people. It's, it's how I understand now when Jesus, with the woman with the issue that touched his garment, and he looked around and said, who did that? I mean, it was so full of human beings. Well, this altar time was full of and John comes in, and this skinny little white woman jumps in next to me, and John reaches in with his big mitt, and I thought he was going to grab her, so I threw her at him. Get her, Lord, get her, right? That's how I said. And, and John grabbed my arm, squished this, this little white lady, squished her as he pulled me out, and he took my glasses off, stuck it in my shirt, and whispered in my ear. This is how I know it was God, because I watched him for all week. He didn't do that with anybody else. And he said something I'll never forget. And then next thing you know, this is from now this skeptical millionaire board member that was with me. Literally, I'm a big boy. Literally, he said, I came off the ground, and shot backwards about five feet. I know when I woke up, there had to be 20 people that was my mattress. I'd laid on all these people. 
and none of them died. So it had to be God. God did that for me. But you know what? I'm going to walk with God and I'm going to live for God because that's all neat and all and I speak in tongues more and all the rest. But you know what? There's more to my God than that. I love it when you could just... A couple weeks ago on the altar, I mean, something started happening and I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. You know how that is? I was like, oh, this is nice. This is special. But inside I'm like, man, I wish they would get off this song. Well, all of a sudden, it was... The only way I can say it is it felt like, like someone just like pushed air into my face. And then I, I just, everything else from that was just amazing. Pastor saw it, the worship pastor saw it. And it was like God just like breathed on me and I just couldn't do anything but cry. Standing on my feet in front of the congregation, crying and just, and I just told my students a couple of days ago, I'm not no weirdo. You don't see me just standing there saying, oh, just, you know, for no reason. Guess what? I'm standing there crying. Oh, 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 oh. No reason. Just breath on me. Oh, man, I love how God makes full of it. There's more to my God than what you think. Amen? Back to vital signs. I don't even know why I did all that. Praise God. Vital sign number one. Let's look at Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord Almighty, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. Hallelujah. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she can have her young. A place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. I'm going to lose some weight today. I feel it. Praise God. Before I can talk about vital signs, I need to talk about a problem you have. Every one of you in this church have a problem. At least one of these four things. You see, when I pastor the church, I said, this church would be awesome if it weren't for humans. Get rid of the humans and church would be excellent. You see, because this whole thing about vital signs and why we always need to be revitalized or revived is because we're humans. I know, say it dejectingly, I'm a human. Because in Master's Commission, it's against the rules to be a human. We don't want you to excuse your sin because you're a human. We don't want you to make peace with the devil because you're a human. You know, oh, it's all right. The devil made me do it. It's okay. God knew that about me. I don't want them to be comfortable with their sin. I don't want them to be comfortable with their... with the, the shortcomings. I fight against my flesh. You see, I don't want to sin like that. I don't want anything to, to come between me and the fullness of God. But the reason why we need to be revitalized is because of these four human problems we have. Four human conditions. Real quick. Number one, we lose focus too much. You ever try to find your keys? Looking all over the place? Where were they? Where you put them? Did you ever look for your glasses? And all along, where were they? On your head. Did you ever drive someplace, just forgot, I mean, you just zoned out somewhere, and you got there, and you're like, how'd I get here? And then you have to quick watch the news to see if you didn't kill nobody. We lose focus. Spiritually, we lose focus. Because just, just like this old mountain man, you see, he lived a, a full but not exactly saintly life. And on his deathbed, he calls his weeping wife over, Sarah, and he says to Sarah, honey, I need you to do me a favor. 
Go to the fireplace on the top right corner and pull out the third brick and bring me what's in there. And so she does. It's a mason jar full of cash, lots of money. And he says to his dear wife, he says, Honey, I'm going to take that with me when I die. Here's what I need you to do. Go to the attic, open the window, put the jar in there, and on my way up, I'll grab it. She's coming back from the funeral service. She remembers this little thing. So up to the attic she goes, only to find the window still open, the jar still there, and the money's still in it. Closes the window, takes the jar. Walking down the attic, she said, I knew I should have put it in the basement. I'll wait. Number two, human condition. We forget what's really important. Say, we forget. We forget what's really important. Now, this might bother some of you, but I've got to share it because it's just, it's, it's all true. Watch this. A middle-aged woman has a heart attack. And on her way to the hospital to have some surgery, she dies. Well, in her little death experience, she sees the bright light at the end of the tunnel. And she hears the voice. She knows it's God. And as she approaches God, and she says, God, you mean to tell me my time is up? And God said, no, you've got 43 years, 2 months, and 8 days to live. Well, next thing you know, she wakes up in the recovery room. Knowing she has much more time to live, she wants to make the best of it. So after recovering and leaving the hospital, she schedules both cosmetic and plastic surgeries. She had the doctors unsag all the sagging places, tighten up all the loose places. After she recovered from that, she went to the cosmetologist, had her hair dyed, her face painted, her new body tanned, and her nails done. After everything was coated, painted, and dried, she left the shop. Walking across the street, she gets hit by a bus and dies. She's in heaven before God, and she says, I thought you said I had another 43 years left. God, squinting his eyes, said, that was you? I didn't recognize you. Number three human condition. We grow weary in well-doing. Now this church started off, probably, you know, you know you're still in your, your, your younger years, a lot of excitement, a lot of zeal. I'm hearing a lot of, of volunteerism, a lot of work going into this. And that's rightly so. That's exciting. But can I tell you, five, six, ten years from now, will you still have that excitement? Will you still have that same zeal? Will you be like, yes, Jesus is so awesome. This is great. Let me do whatever I can do. What happens is we grow weary. Every once in a while, something starts whispering to us. You know what? You're doing so much. You're so awesome. And you're like, yeah, I am. I, I'm awesome. You know what? Why don't you, why don't you sit down now? You deserve a break today. You deserve a rest. And let those other lazy people do something. Next thing you know, your attitude gets all sour and nasty and you sit down. And the work still needs to be done. You see, we grow weary in well-doing. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that we do. It's part of our human condition that we don't want to be a part of. And the last of the human conditions, the necessity for revival, is that we are limited. Men, I know this hurts, but it's important. Say, I'm limited. You see, I, I, I pick on men because I is one. And here's what happens. How many guys actually like to stop and ask for directions when we're lost? We're never lost. We just don't know where we're at. We'll find it sooner or later. That's why I believe, now I've not done the research, but I believe a man created the GPS system. 
We don't have to stop for directions no more. But somewhere in production, somebody messed up because it's still a woman's voice telling us what to do. Something ain't right. I got the loudest applause. Something ain't right. The first vital sign of a victorious Christian is found in these four verses. Without this vital sign, the other three don't matter. Without this vital sign, your time here doesn't matter. Without this vital sign, you will not make, a, make any difference at all out there. Without this vital sign, Christianity is ho-hum. You might as well just stay a Catholic. Because this vital sign separates you from everybody else. I just saw your pastor cringe and all. There's healing afterwards and he can't be responsible for the things that come out of my mouth. All right. Watch this. This vital sign sets everything else apart. We need to have and possess a deep desire for the presence of God. Did you hear what I said? We need to have and possess a deep desire. We say, why the word deep? Because we can all be excited while the music's playing. We can be excited when they're singing a song that I like. They're singing a, in a tempo that I like. They're singing... Now, I, this church probably doesn't have this battle. But in some churches, it's hymns or nothing. You know, give me my hymn book or, or this ain't church. And the reality is, that's not a deep desire. That's still superficial. If you're only willing to worship God when everything is going your way, that's not deep at all. That's superficial. And there's so many of us. In the Bible it says in the last days there's going to be two things. A great outpouring and a great falling away. That says it doesn't make sense to me. How can there be this great outpouring and yet this great falling away? Because so many people who thought they had it, so many people who thought they were there, so many people who thought they had their name tag, thought they had their seat saved, they're going to get offended with what God's going to do. And they're going to walk away. And they'll be like Israel. And Jesus said, you did not recognize the day of visitation. You see, the reality is, when we talk about a deep desire, it's got to go past what happens, and God forbid, what happens if you get that diagnosis? What happens if you hear the word, that word, that, that word begins with a C? What happens when you hear that, you know what, we caught this thing too late? What happens when they say, you're about to, my father's about to lose his job for the, probably the last time? He's got his eyes are failing, his body's failing. We visited him yesterday. And, and, and there's just no hope for them. And so we said, well, if you need to move in, you know, we can do that. And I sort of was just like fooling around. But it might happen. Is my Christianity going to stand up? Am I going to be willing to... You see, am I going to be able to worship God? Because my mom and dad don't, don't love Jesus. You see, when, 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 when Christians can just be all happy for God... As long as the sun is shining, but when it goes gray, you're not deep. And I, and I hate to tell you that. When, but I love it. Now, I'm not sure you like this song or not, but when the music fades and all is stripped away, if you heard the backdrop of that song, the pastor got tired of the worship team doing all the worship in the church. He said, we're going to not have music for a while because everyone's letting the music do their worship. You're going to come to church and worship God with your own lips and your own words. And that song came forth. When I got saved, I mean, I was not brought up in church. When I got saved, I used to have to walk to a bus stop to go to school. And I remember on my way to bus stop, just getting saved, singing all the old songs. I got a new way of living. I got a... I don't remember it right now. 
I was singing all the old choruses by myself. That's probably why I was by myself. Worshipping. Worshipping. You see, I mean, it was amazing. No one had to tell me that. A deep desire for the presence of God, which is found in worship, found in prayer, found in belonging, found in habitating. The second is in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. We just sang it in a song this morning. When I am weak, He is strong. You see, you'll never get to know the fullness of God's strength if you, if you don't let go of your own. How come we always wait until we've exhausted our resources before we take it to God? Let me figure it out, God. Hold on, hold on. I got this. I got this. It's like my little child. I mean, God forbid you help her do something. She goes into this big, crazy motion. You know, no! Because she wants to do it herself. And oftentimes I'm like, I laugh at her. I'm like, what's wrong with you? But I do. I do that to God? You see, I, I want to, I know, and I've challenged our students all year, explore, express, expand. By the time we're done with you, your, lot, your world's going to be bigger. And you're going to be able to do a lot more than you thought you could. Because God is awesome. And He's in you. And He's got all these plans. You see, when, when we talk about God's strength, you'll never know His until you get done with your own. The third vital sign is who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Now this is a hard thing for Christians because I don't think it's taught right in a lot of places. You see, we don't just get saved to go to heaven. Because if, if you were to get saved and go to heaven, there'd be a room somewhere in this building with a guillotine or some fashionable form of ending your life. Because if you were just to get saved to go to heaven, why hang around? Here's your ticket. Let's go. No, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? We're saved for a reason. And, 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 and in this process of getting saved, waiting for the return of Christ, it's a journey. There's a path. There's a walk here. There's a learning to, to walk in the Spirit, developing a relationship with our God. You see, it's a journey. And, and what I like about this whole passage of Scripture, this is David who's in exile because of his mutinous son Absalom, who booted him out of the, the city of God. And David somewhere is on a cliff or a, a mountainside, a rock somewhere, and he's watching in one of the major arteries, worshipers on their way to Jerusalem to worship God. And he loved God so much that he's, he's sort of uh, lamenting and crying right here in this Psalm 84. Because he wants God's presence so much. Remember when he had that mistake with Bathsheba? What did he do? He cried Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away from your presence. What a worship. What strength. He knew. And this is a journey of a walk of faith. So many of us get, get so distracted and detoured. We, we quit too easy. Because we forget it's a journey. You know, many of us, you go on vacation. Right now, I don't know why you would drive to Florida. But say you want to drive to Florida. You go to MapQuest or Yahoo or some map thing. And you get your directions, right? Well, on the way, you have to stop in New Jersey. At one of our very fine rest stops. Right? Because you know, you tease us. Oh, you're from New Jersey? What exit? Okay. When... 
you're on your way to Florida and you stop to a, at, a, at a rest stop. I've never heard anybody to this day say, you know what, children? We, I know we're supposed to go to Florida, but look at this rest stop. This is an amazing rest stop. In fact, we don't need to go to Florida. We got everything we need right here in this rest stop. Let's just spend the rest of our vacation at this rest stop. Never heard it in my life. In fact, if you have car trouble, you get to the gas station, get the car fixed, and on the journey you go. Well, how come in our Christian walk, when we catch a flat tire, we quit? We say, the devil must hate me. Got a flat tire. You say, you know what? Hard things are coming my way. Something must be wrong with my relationship with God. So I might as well just quit. He must not love me. And when the rest stops become, become traps for us, which brings you to the fourth vital sign. This is so powerful. We got a deep desire for the presence of God. God's strength, not your own. And it's a journey. Keep walking. Say, keep walking. We got to keep, keep, uh, I want to see how old some of y'all are. Keep on trucking. Remember that? It used to be a shirt with a guy with his tongue out. Ah, you know, it's, right. I'm old enough. All right. The fourth vital sign. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Go ahead and do a study on the valley of Baca. You will find there's no such place. Because actually it's a word, and the word is weeping or, or sorrowful, a mourning. And, and here's the thing, your rest stop might actually be a time of sorrow in your life. You lost a loved one. You lost your job. You lost your house. A, a, a prodigal child ran away and got into stuff that you, you've been trying to desperately keep him from. Your valley of Baca is your time of, of sorrow. And, and, and what happens here, David is seeing worshipers on their way to Jerusalem. Maybe there's that woman who's still barren, unable to provide her husband, a child, a son. And on to Jerusalem they go to worship, sad and, and weeping, but they go still. How about that guy, that farmer? His crops didn't work out this year. And, but he's got his offering to God. And he's on his way and he's not sure how it's going to work out for him when he goes back home. But to the presence of God he goes. You see, because our, our valley of Bacchus are not supposed to be places where we're drowned in our sorrows. It's not supposed to be the place where we quit and throw in a towel because, Whoa, it's me. Look at everything that's going bad. No, our valley of Baca, our times of sorrow, is supposed to be a place of determination. It's supposed to be a place of refreshing. You see, we keep waiting for revival, you see, to make everything happy ever after. I told our churches we've been getting ready for this. If we think revival is going to make all of our heathen kids Christians again, that's not going to happen. If we think revival is going to make all the, the husbands that beat their wives and drink, make them stop. Now, some will. But revival, you know, revival is supposed to wake us up so we can go and make a difference. You see, here's the thing, right? When we get into our valley of Baca, our time of weeping, you know, we, we have to remember the scriptures that says, I'm more than an overcomer. You see, because instead of drowning in our sorrows, watch what happens. Uh, our tears become very places of refreshing, places of springs and autumn rains and pools. How many love getting into a pool? Man. How many love getting into a whirlpool, those, those hot tubs, those spas? 
Man, I love getting in there. You know, for a moment you feel what a lobster, you know, feels like the last moments of his life, you know. You get in there and it's like all your blood vessels run to, oh, it feels so And then you remember you weren't the only one in there, you know. Yeah, okay. I'm a germ problem. Yeah. Watch this. Oh, no, I got to tell you this. Come on, I got time. This is horrible. My wife's going to kill me. I took my very first cruise with my wife to celebrate our 20th year anniversary in August. Never cruised before. You know, I saw Titanic, you know, I didn't go well for them. So, but we finally, we went on our cruise. Very first, it was beautiful. It was awesome. I don't know how we, 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 we can do it again, but we got to do it again. Well, you do stuff on a cruise that you usually don't do anywhere else, you know, especially men. At, at, like the spa. There's this whole spa thing. This whole secret part of the boat that women hang out in. But my wife and I said, wouldn't it be great if we did a, a married couple spa thing? And we looked at the prices and we had to like sell one of our kids. But there's this beautiful spa thing we can do. And it was this seaweed wrap. Now, I'm no small boy. When I walk in there, the worker, who's probably one-third my size, he gets on the phone quick, and I think he says something about, we need more seaweed, something like that. I think. I couldn't make it out. I think he said much more. So, But this big boy, I got wrapped up in seaweed, stuck in this little thing, sunk into water, and fell asleep for like 45 minutes. And it's supposed to make me look, I don't know, better. But we did that, and it was refreshing, and people do that. You know, make yourself feel good a little bit, because all this... Tra- but spiritually... What's happening when you're going through your valley of Baca on your way to the presence of God? Because you're not a quitter. You're determined. You know this is a journey. You know this is a walk of faith. And you know that it ain't over until you hear the trumpet or they're laying you down. So you're going to stay faithful. You're going to stay walking. Sometimes it's a crawl. Sometimes it's a kneel. Sometimes it's a run. And that's fine for us. But don't let those sorrowful times drown you or sink you. Let them be times of refreshing. Let them be times of re... Now, see, this doesn't make sense. Let them be times of rejoicing. I don't get it. Well, Pastor Paul, Paul the Apostle said, Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. This guy was in a, in a prison. Nothing like our prisons. Our prisons are gorgeous. Are like uh, spas compared to the prison he was in. I won't give you all the backdrop on that, but it was pretty nasty. It was downright disgusting. And what did he decide to do in that nasty situation? Sing and worship God. Because he had a deep desire for the presence of God. And he knew it wasn't his strength. And he knew it was a journey. And instead of crying about it, he rejoiced. And you know what happened? God opened his prison. You see, why am I preaching this? Because I do believe we're on the husk of, of something grand in this country. I'm on the heels of something really terrible. I think economically we're going to get our wake-up call. And then all of a sudden the church is going to have to either stand up. Can you remove this? Stand up and realize it's time to be the church. Or tuck our heads into the sand and just cry and wait. And, oh, Lord Jesus, if you don't come back, I don't know how I'm going to make it. You know, oh, Jesus. You know, I think God is waiting for the church to finally step up and let his glory shine. We sang about that this morning. Let it shine. You sing all the right songs, hallelujah. I felt like I was in Morningstar for a little bit there. Especially with his voice. I was like, whoa, I know that stuff. But can I encourage you this morning? We're going to end with a song and uh, a human video. And, and I understand you just sang this last week for worship. 
And uh, I was asked if the, after we're done doing this during the altar time, the band wants to play this song as a backdrop to the altar call. But it's called Everything by Lifehouse. So number one uh, human video uh, hit on YouTube around the world. We do it as part of our program to show people that it don't quit. Don't stop. You see, because in this you're going to see a shirt change, you know, because we're, we're created pure, and then all of a sudden stuff happens. But don't quit because stuff happens, because there's a, church, a shirt change about to happen. God is not done with us. He's not finished with us. Oh, sure, he's sitting there saying, ah, look what happened, I told you. But the reality is he loves us, and he won't leave us wallowing in the mud. So don't do it yourself. Get up and let the Lord change your shirt. Amen? This is called everything. And after this happens, I just band just take their place right after this happens. I, I, want you, I want you to think about this for a moment. I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know if there's any unsaved people here this morning. I'm not sure if, if it, maybe there's some tragedy in your life. Uh, there, there's some bad news. I want you to be encouraged this morning. And I know there was already a call this morning for prayer in people's lives. But you know what? There's always time and always room to come into the presence of God. And, and you say, but I could do it at my seat. Yes, you can. But there's something about getting up and, and separating and, and coming up front. Something about saying, you know, Lord, it's about me and you. I don't care about anybody else. But if you need to just be reminded again, if you need a touch this morning, if you need to be lifted up this morning, if you need to be re-strengthened, as it were, this morning, after this is finished and they start playing, I want to invite you to the altar. And now I know there are altar workers here as well as the brown shirts. All of our students are qualified to pray for people. I would love to have a moment. We, we, every church we go to, this is some great stuff happens. And, and, and I don't have to explain it here, but you, you know this already. But so many of our young people are struggling in their walk with God. Christian teenage girls who are cutting themselves because they don't know what else to do. Teenage girls or young adult women who are throwing up because they think, you know, according to the world, they're too fat. They don't know what else to do. And they're Christian kids and they say, Lord, I don't want to do this. Well, we do this human video and so many of those types of kids come up and they get prayed for and we're believing God for deliverance. We're believing God for healing in their lives. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.